is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? I want to tell you today why you haven't found God. Now, this message is dedicated to the searcher. Boy, have I met a lot of searchers in my lifetime. The, the, the person who has always believed in God, but just can't seem to find him. And they have searched, and they have searched, and they have been all over the place. And thought all kinds of, you know, theology and, and different concepts and different churches and different, you know, been in different environments. And they are described as the searchers. And this message is dedicated to the searcher. Now, recently, uh, someone, I, I was posted a video about why churches are dying and some bright one piped up and said this, that churches are dying because the youth is getting more educated and realizing there is no good reason to believe in God. Now, I don't know if this is higher education or just rank stupidity, but I want to tell you a good reason to believe in God. Here it is. You're dying. That's a great reason to believe in God. I mean, I tell you, it is. Because if there is no God, then this is all there is to life. And when you die, you're dead if there is no God. Now, maybe for some people, that's what they're looking for, to be accountable to no one so they can live their life like they want to. But let me ask you a question. Living your life like you want to, is it working for you? Is it working good? Are you happy? Are you content? Are you at peace? Is it working? But a good reason to believe in God is because we're all dying. And we all want to live again. We all want immortality. Yes. And that is the very thing that God promises. Immortality. Yeah. Given to us at the resurrection. Now, so I'm not talking to people who have become too smart for God, who they think they've outsmarted God. No, I'm talking to the searcher. You've been looking for God all of your life. And church after church after church has let you down. It's like relationship after relation. You know, some people do that. They go from, from one partner to the next. And all of them seem to let them down eventually. Some people just give up. They just give up on relationships. Now, you know, I'll never find a partner. I'll never find someone to marry. And yet, and some people just say, well, look, they give up also. And they say, I'll never find the right church. I'll never find God. I'll never find the right religion. They're looking for love in all the wrong places, you know. A lot of people are guilty of looking for a relationship with God in all the wrong places. You expect a church to tell you everything to do. You, to show you uh, what you're missing, uh, to give you what you're lacking. You know, I want you to show me the way. That was a song by Peter Frampton, I believe. I want you to show me. Well, okay. There's a lot of people, you know, they're looking for a church to show them the, you know, show me every day which direction I must turn left, right, up, down, whatever. And they don't realize what you need is the 
indwelling leadership of the Holy Spirit, that is just that. It's leadership from within once you receive it. And that leadership tells you where to go, what to do, how to respond, how to react. The problem for a lot of people is that you've been pursuing all your life a life of just another religious experience. And all of those religious experiences has, have let you down. If I could just find the right church with, fill in the blank, the right music, the right pastor, the right charisma, I need more excitement. If I could find a church that took God more seriously, uh, with more emotions, uh, praise and worship music. I got to have the right kind of music. Did you know most more churches break up? More people leave a church because of music than any other reason. They didn't like the music. Get that? I mean, that, that's that's insanity. You know, some people like the t contemporary music. Some people like praise and worship. And if you if you play that temper, if you pray, if you Pay, play, let me get this right. If you play that contemporary, you know, if you play that uh, praise and worship music, I am leaving, I'm never coming back. There is so much pettiness in the churches of God. Petty, 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 petty. But if I can find a church for more gifts of the Holy Spirit, if I can find a church that speaks in tongues, or if I could find a church that does more community service. Or doesn't talk, if I could find a church that doesn't talk about money all the time. If I could find a big church where I could practice my anonymity. Sneak in, sneak out, nobody notices me. That's the church I'm looking for. If I could find a church that does more healing. So many of you are looking for the perfect church experience. It's like finding the perfect movie to watch. It will always let you down. You know, you build your expectations up so high. This is going to be a great movie. And boy, does it let you down. This is going to be a great church, but boy, does it let you down. You see, church, church will always let you down. Church will always let you down. So today, if you are hearing this, the search is over. Today is your lucky day. Because I'm going to tell you how to truly find God. Let's look at Matthew 13 and verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So the, the, the key point here is you've got to know what you're looking for. How are you ever going to find what you're looking for if you haven't put a name on it, if you haven't labeled it? If you haven't put a name on what you're looking for, you will never, you'll never find it. You're not looking for a perfect church. Now, let me just spell that out for you. That, that's one thing you're not looking for is a perfect church because the, the moment you walk through it, it ceases to be perfect because you're not perfect. Churches are full of imperfect people and so many people use that one as an excuse. Well, I can't find, I'm offended. I can't find a perfect church. Well, that's because you're in it. You're not perfect, and neither is anyone else in it. So that, but that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for, well, I'm going to tell you what you're looking for. What you're looking for is a piece of a puzzle, a part of you 
that is missing. It's what you're looking for. Now, as a teenager, I figured this out. Thankfully, as a fairly early, well, as a teenager, I was at a pool party, watching people do what they do at pools, jump in the water, jump out, get drunk, throw up behind the bush or whatever. And I thought, I, you know, I'm a sort of a loner anyway. And I got off by myself and I thought, man. And I was watching everything everybody was doing. And I thought, there's got to be more to life than this. If this is all there is to it, I'm going to be a miserable person. You know, I, it, it's got to be more to life than this. Part of my journey was realizing that I am incomplete. And I sort of realized that at a fairly, well, at least in my teens, I realized something was missing. If I were looking at a piece of a puzzle of me, you know, you lay, or you, let's pretend that you're, you're looking at a puzzle of you, a picture of you. And you got all your pieces laid out on the table and you put it together, but you notice a big chunk is missing. A big piece of that puzzle that you is missing. Okay. So we've found the missing piece of the puzzle. You were created incomplete, deliberately by God. That's the way we all come into the world. You were created incomplete. So Matthew 13 and verse 46 says, who then, when he had found the one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it? Okay, now you must purchase the knowledge that will make you complete. All right? Well, what is this knowledge that will make you complete? Well, hold on to your seats because I'm going to give it to you. But first, I've got to digress a little bit. Let's take a look at Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 7. Then, now this is, this is the subject of death, okay? Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Okay, spirit. What is the spirit that returns to God who gave it? It is the spirit in man. We all have a unique spirit that makes us who we are. It makes you unique. You're different. I'm different. We're all different. That's the spirit in man that all makes us unique and different. And that spirit, your unique spirit, goes back to God who gave it. Now, if your unique spirit never unites with the spirit of God, you will die incomplete. Okay? I didn't say you'll burn in hell forever. I didn't say you're lost. I didn't say God has abandoned you or given up on you. I just said that, that if your unique spirit that makes you you, if it never unites with God, you will die incomplete incomplete and you will know it you will know something's missing in my life yeah well what is this knowledge that will make you complete here it is your unique spirit the spirit in man that makes you you must unite with the spirit of god there must be a moment of conception you must receive the spirit of god now why do so many people never receive the Spirit of God? Now, we need some background information for me to explain this. Okay. There's basically two mindsets in the world of churchianity. One is the Hebrew mindset that you find in your Bible. And the Hebrew mindset is, Lord, what do you want me to do? I mean, they, they open the Bible. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? To do? The other mindset is the Greek mindset. 
And, and that, the Greek mindset is, Lord, what do you want me to feel? Now, guess what mindset we Americans have when it comes to our religion? You guessed it. It's the Greek mindset. Lord, what do you want me to feel? I just got to feel something. I got to go to church and feel something, you know. So we get on the merry-go-round of having just another, another religious experience. Now, the fatal mistake we make is the Spirit of God is something I must feel. If I don't feel it, it must not be real. You know, it's like a drug or something. We go from church to church looking for that fix, okay? We're looking for a fix, just like a drug. Many of you have had so many religious experiences that you, you don't know what to, you don't know who or what to believe. Yes, and you've used Dr. Google too much. And then Dr. Google, Google makes this a lot worse. All the tons of information, all the different opinions that, that are out there. I mean, for example, I was looking at the side effects of too little magnesium. And so I started reading the side effects of too little magnesium. And then I started reading the side effects of too much magnesium. Guess what? They were both the same. Whether it's not enough or it's too much, the side effects are exactly the same. And I just thought to myself, you know, Dr. Google, you can't trust Dr. Google. Any opinion you want to find can be yours. You just got to search long enough to find it. You know, whatever your preference is. Okay. So how do we get past just having another religious experience into a real relationship with God. How? 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 How is you must receive the Spirit of God? And there is a way, there is a formula for receiving the Spirit of God. And my job as a minister is to turn you over to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and then get out of the way, you know. You don't really need my endless mentoring, you know. It is the leadership of that spirit that you now have that will guide and direct your life as to where you need to go. Okay, Acts 2 and verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, this is so cut and dry and simplistic. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you're going to receive the Spirit of God. Okay, so let me explain it. Repent of what? Sin. What is sin? 1 John 3, 4 says sin is the breaking of God's law. It's the breaking of the Ten Commandments. Now, listen, if you've been in church for 40 years and you don't know what sin is, now, I just told you what sin is in 1 John 3, 4. Sin is there. But there's a lot of people who go to church, and they've been in church all their life. They could, have, could not have told you the definition of sin. And if you don't know the definition of sin, I don't care how long you've been in church. Number one, you're not saved. And two, you don't have the Spirit of God. You've got to know what sin is in order to, one, be saved, and two, or start the salvation process, and, and, and you, you've got to know what sin is in order to receive the Spirit of God. Okay, so all of this is done in the name of Jesus Christ. There is no other name given in heaven and earth, where, earth whereby men may be saved. 
But then Acts 3 and verse 19 says, Repent therefore and be con converted, that your sins may be blotted out. So I've, I've got to repent and be converted so that my sins may be blotted out when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Okay, convert. What does convert mean? Well, convert means that you're, it's a U-turn. You're walking in one direction and you make a U-turn, you're walking in the other direction. Conversion is more than a mindset or a feeling. It's a different direction of life that you are now traveling. Okay. So just as Jesus had promised, he said, look, I'm, you, you repent, I'm going to give you my spirit. Now we look at John 15, 14 and verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So there's a repentance. Now it's true, you repent of sin. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. God accepts you just as you are. I mean, he has no other choice. But to continue to live in sin is not loving God. There is a process for which healing occurs. Healing does not take place overnight, but healing will occur because of the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. John 14, verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Yeah, that spiritual DNA that comes from the Father, that comes at the moment of conception. You know, you go down in the waters of baptism. Your sins are washed away. You, you come up out of the water of baptism. And a minister lays his hand on your head and says, Father, this person now stands before you clean. I ask that you give him a portion of your Holy Spirit, a portion of your spiritual DNA, Lord, to guide and direct his life. John 14, verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring to things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So has your church told you, ever told you, how to receive the Spirit of God? Now, if not, why not? Did you just go on the assumption that if I just raise my hand, that if I just give my heart to the Lord, that, okay, that's all it was to it? Or have you been told the formula for receiving the Spirit of God. Your greatest need is the Spirit of God. But why? Why is that? Because you are born into this world. We are all born into this world incomplete. I mean, there's a reason we feel the way that we feel incomplete. It's because God has placed us in this world. We have a need. And the need is for your spirit, the spirit in man, to unite with God's Spirit. That's why you're here. That's your greatest need. John 15 and verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. Okay, how? How do I receive the Spirit of God? Again, I think most churches don't even know what the Spirit of God is. 
And have you been told by your church leaders that you are missing a spiritual element? God, that you are missing God's personal DNA and that there is a way, a formula for receiving the Spirit of God. Have you been told that? Were you ever told that? Or were you just convinced that you were okay just as you are? Just come to the cross. Just come as you are. Yes, okay, you did repent. Okay, but did you receive the Spirit of God? Did you go through that process, that formula for receiving the Spirit of God? John 16 and verse 8. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin. Speaking of the Spirit of God, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Part of the role of the Spirit of God is to convict the world of sin, to show people. Now, that's not a pretty thing to do. That's not an enjoyable thing to do. But to convict the world of sin. And the way the Spirit convicts the world of sin, it is that it convicts you of your sin when it starts working with you. You think, I'm a sinner. I need to do something. Most people, guess what they, th they, 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 need to do? they think they need to do? go to church and they become a spectator at church. They become a head nodder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, preach it, brother. You know, that's not enough. There's not enough. There's a formula for receiving the Spirit of God. Acts 1 and verse 8, but you shall receive power after that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witness, witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Yeah, the reason for receiving the Spirit of God is to grow the church, is to be a witness to other people. And, and Christ says, look, you're going to be empowered by the Spirit, and you're going to go into all the world. Yeah, as a witness. So exactly what is a Christian? How does the Bible define what a Christian is in the most accurate sense? Romans 8 and verse 9. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Did you know this explanation of what a Christian is? A Christian is a person who has the end. A Christian is a person who has figured out the formula for receiving the Spirit of God. And what I'm trying to share with you is your greatest need. And I'm trying to, I'm going to offer you something here at the end of this program that will give you the formula. You know, yeah, yeah okay. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You can go to church. You can go to church six days a week and twice on Sunday. You can preach, you can pre play, uh, uh, sing in the choir. But the critical issue is that you've figured out the formula for receiving the Spirit of God. Acts 19 and verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast into Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said to them, Have you received the Spirit since you believed? And they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. Have you received the Spirit of God since you believe? That's my question to you. And your answer can't be, well, I think so. Well, I hope so. Well, I feel like it. I feel, I hope I have it. Was, the, was that systematic way laid out for you on how to receive the Spirit of God? Or 
do you fit into this category in Acts 19 and verse 2? Well, we have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. You know, I think most people have heard of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying that. But have you heard the assumption is, well, I, I, I guess I have it. Now, the offer I want to offer you today is, is actually two things. Is Number one, the formula. The formula on how to receive the Spirit, Spirit of God. How to receive the Spirit of God. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You know, before you kick the bucket, you want to make sure you have the Spirit of God. It's just that simple. Because this verse says, if any man have not the Spirit, he's none of his. And it's not just church going that gives us the Spirit of God. It's not just a desire to be religious. It's not that just that we like dressing up and going to church. That, that's not enough. There's a systematic way, a formula for receiving the Spirit of God. Also, I'll throw this in also, the remnant. It's some critical information also that God is calling a first fruit, a remnant, the elect. And that may be you that God is calling. Two great publications, the remnant, the remnant, and how to receive the Spirit of God. I'll send that to you. Free of charge. Won't sell your name to a mailing list. You get your information and that's it. And you can read about your greatest need, the missing piece of the puzzle, the fact that we all come into this world incomplete, and what is missing is that spiritual DNA that we need to have from God that will make us complete. I'm David, David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? And I'll see you next time. Many people spend their whole life repeating the same old mistakes. What does it take to have good discernment and good judgment? It takes having the Spirit of God. But what many people overlook is, the Spirit of God is not something that you are born with. Man was created incomplete, missing that spiritual element that would make him complete. The Bible clearly lays out the way to receive the Spirit of God. Learn the step-by-step -step process for receiving the Spirit of God. Order your free copy of why You Need the Holy Spirit. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.org.